This is the Clutch Pick Sports Betting Podcast, Week 11 NFL Picks. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm joined by the Scores Lead Betting Analyst, Mr. Matt Russell. And we talk about the wave all the time, kids. Guess what? The wave is here. The wave is back. A 10 and 4 week. We got to double digits. How did I get to double digits? I didn't know that was a thing that was possible anymore. But as we always say, you just got to ride the wave. Because you know it's going to come back. You know it's going to come back. We'll finish the year strong. Currently sitting at 75, 72, and 3. But we're on the way up. Get in now. While the getting is good, kids. Mr. Matt Russell, how are you doing, my friend? After week 10 of the NFL season. I'm good, man. I'm really proud of you for getting back above 500. It's, you know, it's, it's time to go, buddy. We are we're we're off and running. Uh, I always, every time you put up the uh, the record, I always think of just how nebulous and silly like the whole just concept of the record is. Like, mm-hmm. I think about this past weekend, and we talked about it on the on on the podcast last week, where I had bet the Lions uh, at mm-hmm. Pickham. Yep. The line had moved up. I think it was about two and a half when we uh, when we discussed it. Yep. said, man, this looks a lot like it's going to go to three. And if it goes it to three, like, you know, I think the Chargers are probably the right side in that game. And I went to three. So I came back over the top on the Chargers at plus three. And then you watch that game and the Lions get out to, a, you know, they get they, they get the first touchdown. And they get out to a lead. And you're just watching this game. And it's like, this is every other Chargers game I've ever seen. Yep. Honestly, it's every other Lions game by and large that I've ever uh, I've ever seen, especially against like really good opponents or, or at least decent opponents. And you're just like, none of these teams can stop each other. How is this game not coming down to essentially a, a final score? And so right after seven nothing, I live bet the Chargers at plus six and a half because I'm like that's better than three, and I already like three, so six and a half. And nothing that's happened in this game would sort of dissuade me from thinking that. Well, I think they immediately turn the ball over and the Lions go and they score yet another touchdown. So like eight and a half and stuff were all already available. But I'm like, dude, you have gone too far. Like you have already come over the top on, on Chargers plus three. You know, you, if you lose that, you're already, you know, losing a game where you were on top of things when it came to the market with betting the Lions in the first place. So I'm like, okay, we'll just stick at six and a half. And of course, they go back and forth sevens and sevens and sevens and sevens. And then, of course, finally, the Lions end up winning by a field goal. And so I push, mm-hmm. you know, I push that one number. I win all the money on the live bet. I win the the original bet on Detroit money line, right? So it was my biggest win of the weekend. Yeah. And then I go and it's like, okay, well, like, what was the what was your record? And I check out, you know, we went five and zero oh, uh, on the uh, uh, against the spread in the money line underdogs and three and two on the money line. So like five and zero, oh, good there. And you go and you check like the bet, the, my quote unquote best bets against the spread on on my Friday column. And like the Chargers is, you know, it's plus three. It's a push. Right. So it just from a record standpoint, it just goes into that nebulous tie column. Yeah. Right. That, you know, oh, you, yeah. yours is what three. I, like from for me, it's six. Uh, I'm 78, 66 and six on, on the season altogether. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, that's six right there, though, was the biggest win, you know, total windfall <laughs> of the entire season. Right. But it's like, I don't even we don't even calculate that when we talk about percentages because it's just a push. It's just a tie in this yeah. whole like, oh, like, what's your record? What's your record thing? And obviously, like record is important. But you can see, like, just how it's like. Yeah, that's, it doesn't really say all the money that I won on that on that quote unquote push. For um, sure, and it's like if you here. 
the other thing is if you listen to the pod, you can tell, right? Like we will say for the most part when it's a game that it's like, you know, like we were very confident in the Niners, right? And I'm trying to be transparent on when it's like, oh, this is me Niners fan or this is me Mahomes fan and the difference between that and when it's like, no, no, no. This is a, an opportunity to pile on. And I was in a bunch of group texts on Saturday or Sunday morning. It's just funny. It's like, oh, what do you like? And I'm like, Niners, bye, 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 bye. And the amount of times people were like, are you sure? Just because yeah. it's like, oh, it's your team. I'm like, no, like take the damn Niners. They're healthy, <laughs> right? Like do it. But as, further to your point, right? It's like, okay, 10 and four record. Okay, cool. And like one of the losses was a, a, a game that I switched on the pod, not because you said to, because yeah. I was just feeling myself last week. Like I'm, I'm hot, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling myself. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to switch this pick. And you're like, I'm not saying that you should switch the pick. I'm like, I know, I know. Yeah. Right. Which the what was it? I think it was the Bengals. I think it was the Bengals uh Browns, right? But it was just no Bengals, Bengals no. Texans. Oh no, nope. Browns. No, I wouldn't Ravens. have been even Browns Ravens. Browns. Oh, Ravens. okay. I was yeah. on the Browns. I was on the Browns, and then I'm like, right. no, Ravens switched over to the Ravens. Right. Which, it is like, by the way, like you're feeling really good about when it's four. You know, it's a 14 for point sure. <laughs> fourth quarter lead, right? And it's like, yeah, they didn't even win the game. For like, sure, what? Right. I, uh, I thought we were pretty pretty good there but so. that's the principles that we talk about right the record is important but that's why you stick into the principles because when football happens right you hope to be on the right side more than you're on the wrong side because you know that football is going to happen and stuff like that transpires and then we move on to the next week and if there were games last week i was kind of like you know what these primetime games aren't really that good can't really say the same this week because it's bangers only this week. Bangers only. We start with Thursday night football matchup. Bengals at Ravens. Ravens at home, favored by three and a half points. AFC North battle, both on a short week, obviously. Both coming off bad losses. Class For me, classic field goal game here. And at over a field goal, I'm going to take the points. Definitely give me the points with the Bengals here. I just think it's, it's the Ravens. That was a, a Ravens game that we've seen a bunch mid-season the last few years where they're up and they mm-hmm. can't close for whatever reason. They can't figure it out. The Bengals, maybe T. Higgins is more important than we think. I don't, I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know what's up with their offense somehow, but they couldn't close either. But at the same time, Tyler Boyd catches the ball. They win, right? So weird stuff yeah, going yeah. on there. Either way, this matchup just smells like a field goal game to me. So if the line's a little over a field goal, Give me the points. Yeah, it's funny, right? Like we another yet another example, both leading into this game of like how, you know, how narrow this this sort of thing is, right? And even as Boyd doesn't catch that ball, and so they don't take a four point lead. Should they take a four point lead? Obviously, it's going to require a lot more from um, the uh, the Texans. And then you go, okay, instead they're you know have to tie the game with the field goal. And, you know, for those of us betting on the Bengals, we're like, I'm kind of okay with a tie mm-hmm. because that means we at least get a chance to cover in overtime. Yep. But then those of us who had uh, the Bengals in Survivor are then like, oh, wait a second. You know what? I probably would have just been okay with the four point with the four point lead and sort of take our chances from there. Right. And it's like, you know, you get into that like weird space where you're like, yeah, I got a little greedy there. 
being okay yeah. with Boyd dropping that dropping that football. Um, great news! This game's really awesome. Last game, last week's game was terrible. It was terrible, terrible on paper. It was terrible on the field, et cetera, et cetera. And now we get this really good game. The bad news is it's on a Thursday night, and what I mean by that, of course, is it's Thursday night. There's we got all kinds of injury questions, right? And it's funny how they are kind of lining up in a weird way. You mentioned Higgins. Marlon Humphrey, currently questionable as of this taping. Now, by the time you listen to this podcast on Thursday, maybe we have more answers about who's available and who's not. Mm -hmm. But if Mar if T. Higgins is out and Marlon Humphrey is out, well, it's kind of like an even split, right? But if one guy is in and the other guy isn't, advantage that team. And we don't technically know, again, as of this uh, taping, who that's going to be. It's the same thing on the offensive and defensive lines, right? We have Ronnie Stanley, questionable. The uh, the starting left guard as well for the Ravens is questionable. And that would be one thing, but the Bengals, two star defensive linemen, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson, also questionable, right? So again, like if Stanley's out and those guys are in, mm -hmm. advantage Bengals. If Stanley is in and those guys are out, advantage Ravens, right? So it's hard to really look at this and be like, well, this is the right line, this is the right line, whatever. Yeah. By the way, we've also had a real kind of tough time. Well, we haven't had that tough of a time. We've understood because of how we work our, you know, how we talk about ratings and the idea of our scale out of 100. But we've been following the Bengals up and down, up and down rating all season long. And that's been really kind of tricky. Um, luckily, we've, we, we are educated about, how, you know, how this stuff sort of, sort of works. And then we saw last week, we talked about it with the Ravens. Like, yes, they, their rating kept going up and they kept surpassing it. And again, with a 14-point lead, you're like, yep, they're going to cover, cover it again, right? The rating, maybe they should be the top-rated team in the NFL. Maybe they should be a top-three-rated team. And so then they go and they blow that game. And so it's like, well, what am I supposed to make of that? Because you get into a 14-point lead, especially against the Browns, who, by the way, are with Deshaun Watson and his broken shoulder that he right. apparently broke in the first quarter. And it's like, what? Like, how, you know, how do you not, how do you not seal that deal? And so it's like, okay, well, I guess the Ravens aren't as good as that rating, but it's like, again, maybe they are. They just kind of blew that last game, which again, it's kind of a thing that the Ravens do a lot. So you got two teams who like, it's, you know, it's not, you know, a wild discrepancy in their rating, but when you get over three here and you get to like, should it be three and a half? Should it be four and a half? Should it be five and a half? It really just kind of depends on your personal opinion and obviously the moving pieces of the injury report. So there's so much chaos going into this game from a betting perspective. Like, what's the thing that we can rely on? And I think you know what that thing is. That's Joe Burrow as an underdog, right? They came, you know, the fact that we're getting over a field goal, he's basically, I think he's like undefeated against the spread when he's getting more than a field goal he's off you know frequently in games that where he's an underdog but it's less than a field goal which is obviously a little bit trickier here but like when this game happens when you're watching this game like what's going to be the point where you're like well Bengals are, are toast they can't come back from this like it's kind of I don't know that it's going to exist especially with what we've seen from the Ravens and their inability in some cases to close teams out and mm -hmm. this isn't like Jared Goff and Geno Smith right where it's <laughs> like once the avalanche hits like they're not going to be able to climb their way out because Joe Burrow could just sit back and throw the ball 60 times and you'd still feel like they've got a chance of keeping this game close. So I kind of, not to say that it's the only way that the Ravens can cover, but like the thing I fear the most is that we get into a field goal type of a game and the Ravens get that touchdown that the Bengals couldn't get where they go up four points and there just isn't enough time left for Burrow, right? And that's where, you know, getting four here 
mm-hmm. I think is really important. And you've got three and a half up, but as of Wednesday, it's basically an even split on whether it's three and a half, four. So I have no problem with you going on record and getting a bet down at plus four uh, because it is pretty widely available. So that's the play. It, you know, listen, nothing crazy. The only thing that I would say as far as like an add-on, right? And you mentioned the 49ers game. And the unfortunate part with the 49ers game is like you can really, really like the 49ers. And all you can really bet, by and large, is minus three. And you don't have the, oh, let's get the underdog. You know, like with the Broncos. Well, it, like, it went to three and a half by the time the game started. But too, you know what I mean? Was, as far as like juicing uh, it up, right? Where it's like you like yeah. the underdog, you can hit the money line. Like we did mm-hmm. with the Broncos on Monday, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I like it so much, I'm going to hit the money line. Like you go to the alternative spread line, but then you start looking at like 49ers minus nine and a half. And you're like, that's not paying nearly enough yeah, you know, in yeah. the same way that. It's I, not worth it. Yeah, in the same way that a money line underdog would. Um I would maybe skip the money line underdog here and I might go to the Bengals division and they're at plus 375 right now. And part of that is, um, or part of the reason this is sort of why I would do this is because there's been an added element into the mix. And we just mentioned it, right? The Deshaun Watson injury. And so that's made the Browns less competitive theoretically going forward. Though again, we'll talk about sort of how much less competitive, but it is something as far as like their top end ability. And then, of course, like the Steelers are six and three, which means they have to take a certain amount of the win probability pie, even though they get outgained every single game. And so nobody's really buying into the idea that like the Steelers are going to win the division. They're not going to you know win 12 games to take the division. They may win 10. They may win mm-hmm. nine, uh, may win nine and sneak into the playoffs. And that would be very cool. But like the idea of them winning this division consistently getting outgained, like is hard to believe. And so it's kind of down to just two teams in a lot of ways, even though, and the odds reflect it because the Bengals are the second choice, but the standings, the Bengals are quote unquote last in the division at five and four. They win this game. They go to six and four and the Ravens go to seven and four because the Ravens still have their buy. And that's going to come when the Bengals host the, the Steelers. Bengals are going to be a touchdown favorite if everybody's healthy in that game. And so you just look at this and you go like, rather than take the money line, which right now I think is like what plus 150, something along those lines, maybe take a little sprinkle of the Bengals at higher odds. You don't have to invest as much. And if they win this game outright, now all of a sudden, two weeks from now, you're probably looking at kind of like a 50-50, you know, mano y mano the rest of the way, where each team has split their season series. So there's no tiebreaker from that perspective. And there's still, you know, six, seven games left of a runway here for the Bengals to potentially win the division. And so rather than just go all out with the money line, let's go with the AFC divisional futures, especially if like me, or if like you've been a reader over at the score from before the season started, you might have a pretty decent price on the Ravens already. I believe we had plus 220 before the season for them to win the division. You can take a little risk off the table with the Bengals there as well. Yeah, no, sounds good for sure. And sticking with the same division in the AFC North, we got the Steelers at the Browns. So I'm liking the Bengals. We're liking the Bengals in Thursday night. As we head to Sunday, you got the Steelers at Browns, Cleveland favored by two and a half. Now, obviously the big news there is Deshaun Watson out for the season. And it's something we've talked about throughout the year what the line movement dependent upon Deshaun Watson's availability is versus what it is when it, he is not there. Um, either way, this is supposed to be a super low scoring game as I'm pretty sure the total isn't that high. And a lot of the times, if the point total isn't that high and we're talking a divisional game, I'm just going to try to gobble up all the points that I could possibly get here. And I hope that this would go to three, but it's not because there's no Deshaun Watson and people still think that that matters. So 
I'm going to get the two and a half here with the Steelers who somehow some way are in these games, despite not being able to move the ball. So you made a really interesting point there, Shell. And that's the, you know, people thinking that this matters, right? And we have seen that the market theoretically mm-hmm. thinks that Watson down to, you know, to Walker uh, matters. And it probably does. Like, I'm not saying yeah, that it yeah, doesn't yeah. by any stretch of the imagination, right? But like, and that's what I mean by long term, right? So over mm-hmm. the course of the next eight games, I I would be willing to say that the Browns are going to win one fewer game because P.J. Yeah, Walker sure. is the quarterback and Deshaun Watson isn't, right? Like, that's just sort of the idea. But when you spread that one game over eight games, it's essentially like one, you know, point one five of a game, like point one two of a game, right? Like it's a, it's essentially a, an eighth of a game, yeah, <laughs> in one individual game. And so, like, in one individual game, like, what does that really mean, right? Like, and it means that this line has went from it was toggling between three and a half, four, a lot like the other matchup in the AFC North, mm-hmm. and then when the announcement came out, it actually fell down to two, and. Maybe there's been buyback on with this two and a half. And to be honest, obviously two, two and a half, there isn't a massive discrepancy there. But if the point is, is that Watson and Walker in a one game scenario, there isn't that much difference. This has to be a buy point on the Browns now that we're getting under a field goal. Like I like the Steelers conceptually a lot better when it was plus four with Watson. This Mm -hmm. is what we do every week. Right. Yeah, yeah. With, with, sure. var- with varying quarterbacks. Uh, we are fortunate enough that we have seen PJ Walker play. Like a lot of the times it's a guesswork. Like, who is this guy? How bad is this dude going to be? Is this guy going to be good? Like Will Levis, is he good? Is he bad? You know, uh, your man's Danny DeVito. Uh, you know, how bad is he going to be? And where it's just sort of this nebulous thing. We know how good PJ Walker is. And that is to mm-hmm. say like, eh, Okay, right? But I don't think he needs to be any good to beat the Steelers because, as we said, the Steelers, you know, getting outgained every game. We saw the Steelers somehow pull off that first game against the Browns where it was like Deshaun Watson comes out, and by the way, like, apparently that's his thing, is throw a pick six, basically, you know, first play of the game type situation. He did that against the Steelers. The Browns probably still should have been able to come back. Uh, You know, they did come back, take the lead, but they probably should have hung on for the victory regardless. And so I just look at this and I go, I think the Browns still going to be able to run the ball against the Steelers. Steelers defense, even their secondary. We talked about it a little bit last week and jo- the idea that Jordan Love wasn't going to be able to take advantage of the Steelers shaky secondary. Yeah. He kind of did. And it's like, if Jordan yeah. Love can do it out here, right? Like PJ Walker can do it with Amari Cooper and, you know, David Joku, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I think the Browns are going to be pretty good offensively. And we know the defense is really good. The defense was like basically outside of one play. The Steelers couldn't even get it in. I mean, they couldn't get into the red zone at all, but outside of one play, they couldn't score this for the first time around in this game. So like, I think we're getting a discount now that we're under three. So I think that Cleveland has to be the play here. I see that you're changing it. I think that's the right move here. Anything under three here with the Cleveland Browns is the move. I'm making an overall statement as I obviously I know what my picks are for the whole week and you don't as of yet, but I'm going to make a statement that you will notice that will be, there's a lot of games where I'm kind of like on the fence Mm -hmm. and the key part is going to be where that line is because the, the thing that you mentioned there in terms of the Steelers above a field goal versus the Browns below a field goal, like that right there is really the decision being made to me. Shell, here's the here's the electric, you know, piece of breaking news here as we tape it, and you know, it's sort of midday on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That line's now a pick'em. Oh, yeah, 
That line has gone down to like, you can get Brown's money line at minus 105. And I mean, it's tough to do on air here, but like the question obviously is like, okay, who died on the Browns, right? And it's like, is PJ PJ Walker Walker also not have a shoulder? Um, I'm sort of skimming through and I don't see any like breaking, you know, beep, 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 beep news here. Um, gotta be. Oh yeah, no, there it is. There it is. Holy smokes! Yeah, okay, there we you go. Browns are planning to start Dorian Thompson Robertson. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. PJ Walker will be the backup. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is live and breaking news. Yeah. Like that. that Shouts to Adam Schefter. Yeah. Kevin Stefanski told reporters that Dorian Thompson Robinson will replace Deshaun Watson and start. Sunday's game versus the Steelers. Hmm. Um, that's interesting yeah. on a lot of levels because, like, what is PJ Walker? Like, he's just saying he's a backup. So, yeah, all of a sudden, DT. Like, they have faith in in DTR. All of a sudden, what am, what am I missing here? This is not Could a we team. Yeah, you know, we just talked about the odds and the idea that, like, you know, listen, we don't love the Browns going forward, but the record is the record. They are in. They are technically in the mix. If you're in the locker room. And you, you know, if you're Kevin Stefanski, you're you're talking yourself into still being alive in this, right? Like again, like I said, your record mm-hmm. is the record. You just beat the the you know the Ravens. Obviously, that was with Watson, but like you can win games with PJ Walker. So this is sort of taking this in here because again, the one time that we saw DTR. Now again, we always you and I always talk about this as far as like whenever you know a, one of these backups has to come in. Are you coming in when you didn't have practice all week, or are you coming in when you did? And so DTR, when he had to come in that first time, remember like Watson, they were doing meetings on meetings in the, in the middle of the field, talking about his shoulder the first time around. And then he was like, no, no, I can't go. And then DTR was just like, okay, I guess I'm playing. <laughs> and obviously the Ravens defense considerably different now that we know than the Steelers defense, obviously Steelers defense can create explosive plays with TJ Watt. But like, like we just mentioned, right? Secondary is not very good. The run defense is not very good. You can score on them. And honestly, we were relying on the on the Browns anyway in this game. So, like, this is one where I kind of just, like, I'm going to trust, and, you know, I'm going to say it that way because that doesn't sound like I'm fully trusting because I'm not, but I'm going to trust the Browns coaching staff, the Browns organization, the locker room, and the idea that the, everybody else in that locker room accepts the idea that DTR is the better option to win a game because that's what you need here from the Browns, right? You need to buy in. And if the buy-in here is not there, there's no reason that they would ever do this. Cause this isn't a situation where they're like, Oh, well we're three and six and like the season's yeah. over and we should start the young guy to see what we've got. Like there has to be a reason as to why they're doing this over PJ Walker, who we've seen be serviceable, yeah. if not more than serviceable. So far, so for for you to make that decision, especially with how poorly DTR played the last time we saw him, yeah. you would assume okay, they've seen some progression in practice. There's some positive movement going there, and he's so, getting to practice, right? Like he actually yes. gets to be with the ones and, and in the meetings all week and all of that sort of thing. Because this, as of Wednesday, right? Like this isn't Friday making this decision. This isn't Saturday or Sunday morning making the decision. This is a decision that, again, like if you're in, in contention here. In a divisional game at home, like 
You think yeah. you you know you should be thinking uh, we gotta win. Yes, yeah, huge game. It's a massive game. Yeah. <laughs> massive, it's huge. Massive and it's game. not like Stefanski's in this position where like his job is like, you know, super locked up for decades to totally. come. You know what I mean? Like he needs yeah. dubs. Yeah. So this is a super interesting one. And it, I, it's funny. I'm thinking of the people watching on the YouTube page, first off shout out to you but two you've also seen the the control room just scrambling here changing graphics on the fly great great job by the the control room got to give them a a round of applause for for their hard work behind the scenes but i say that because people who are listening might not be able to see you might not be able to you cannot see what's (laughs) right unless they're literally listening in the room right now and i'm like no there's nobody here so right the people listening to the podcast obviously can't see what says on the screen steelers minus one at browns the pick is browns plus one and i would as matt said and there will be line movement on this game before sunday for sure so stay tuned to that that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say like i mean listen by the time you listen to this like maybe it will have settled one way or another like yeah i mean the thing is like if it moves in the favor of the browns okay it moves to minus one cleveland right and it's like i didn't miss anything and but if you're listening to this and it's plus one it's like yeah it's i mean obviously that's a move towards the steelers so like maybe you get a little bit better of a number if you wait but honestly i don't it's not like i I mean, hell, you never know. But, like, they've made this announcement. It's not speculative. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's probably minus one one way or another. So, yeah, feel free to bet it. I don't think this is getting to three, uh, you know, or anything like that. I mean, I yeah. guess the, the possibility is that, you know, they change this number based on the news. Um, people like you and me go, yeah, I don't love it, but I'm I'm okay with betting the Browns to win this game. And then people bet the Browns to win this game. And, honestly, the line goes back to, like, two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for yeah. the Browns right back to where the PJ Walker zone was because the idea being that like, yeah, there's probably isn't a difference between the two. For sure. Totally, totally, totally true. Um, keep things moving though. And talking about quarterbacks and who's playing, we saw Kyler return to the lineup for the cards. Big win for them last week as the cards are now this week, week 11 heading to Houston to take on the Texans Texans at home, four point favorites. And the one thing here in this, I'm I'm on the Houston Texans here, which is a weird one for me because I'm looking at it and thinking I'm laying four points with Houston. Right. Not a favorable place for me to be. But I'll say this. I would assume that D'Amico Ryan, who used to be the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, is familiar with Kyler Murray's work. So there's some semblance Ooh. of, okay, what are we doing here? What are the key points we need to hit? All that fun stuff. The other thing is cool for Kyler to come out in week in his first week back. Juices are flowing, adrenaline's pumping, cool. But now it's week two. The Falcons are involved, right? The Falcons, exactly. The Falcons are involved. Now it's week two. Now it's kind of like a step up. And I know you might not think it's a step up against the Texans, but the Texans are doing some work right now. And CJ yeah. Stroud is balling. I don't like it at over field goal. But I also think that the cards just go back to their losing ways and come back down to earth. So for that reason, it's a tough one. I don't like it, but I'm on the Texans minus four. Yeah, and I was on the Falcons last week, and it was the idea was like they're going to do the things that are going to bring their rating back to where 
They're very modest rating, by the way, that, mm -hmm. back to where we thought it should be, i.e. they're going to involve B. John Robinson because Arthur Smith is hilarious in that, like, he tells everybody how dumb they are when they make suggestions, and then he literally takes those suggestions and he does them. And what happened last week? B. John Robinson getting the ball, scoring touchdowns, <laughs> like all things that we bet on, right, if you, if you read my stuff over at the score. And so it's like, yeah, but they still lost. Yeah. And you're like, man, you know what? Maybe the Falcons are just terrible, right? It's so that's the tricky part because obviously the Cardinals rating has to go up. I mean, certainly it goes up from Clayton Toon. And yeah, the tricky part is like, does it go that much farther up? And this is what we talked about last week because Kyler Murray replaces Josh Dobbs, which is like a really weird thing to say because Josh Dobbs is this like mercenary, like traveling bandit who just goes around like wins football games. And Kyler Murray has like a $190 million contract or whatever. And it's like, are we sure which, you know, who's better? And I don't still don't really know. Cause it's like, if Josh Dobbs was on the team for the Cardinals last week, like, do they win that game? And like, answers maybe, right? Like, yeah. It's definitely maybe. I mean, they also were losing right up until that last drive. And so I just try, I just look at this and I go like, okay, a couple of different things. One Texans, their rating. I don't know. Right. Like we, we have, we had a, we had a, their range. They are right at the peak of that range. We're actually bumping their range uh, higher, right? They're at the absolute theoretical ceiling. They have gone through the ceiling, if you will. And it's like, yeah, okay. I think that's fair. But now it's like they've broken contain and they are on the loose. Like how high could the rating possibly go at this point? Like, you know, somebody let me know like when it's going to stop. You know, we have people talking about CJ Stroud MVP stuff this week, like obviously never going to happen. But like that's the type of buzz that we're talking about with regards to like the broken containedness of, of the Texans, who, by the way, almost lost to the Buccaneers two weeks ago at home and lost to the Panthers three weeks ago. And, you know, any, anything that we've seen from the Panthers would make, you know, make you realize that like just about anything is possible with the Texans. So like I think like the ceiling right now of a 45 out of 100 for the Texans is like probably fair, maybe even more than fair. Okay. And so where do we go with the cards? Because I'm watching that Cardinals game and you start, you know, once Kyler is like at least throwing the ball deep to Hollywood Brown and Rondell, Rondell Moore, excuse me, is, is bopping around and Trey McBride is so, so good. And so, so much better than Zach Ertz. And you just sit there and go like, why was this guy not more involved? Like, you know, I guess that Zach Ertz is in the room and you can't like demote him because of everything that he's done. In his... But like Trey McBride is like the fourth best tight end in the league, I think. And, yeah. You know, just nobody knows it. Right. And uh, at least for like a fan from a fantasy football perspective, he might be the fourth or fifth best tight end. So you just go, man, Cardinals are kind of nice with those with those options. Right. Like it's kind of a little bit scary to bet against them. And so if the Cardinals are actually like not good, cause the defense is still pretty porous and they got, you know, lucked out because Desmond Ritter is like a Halloween character, right? He will always find you. You can't, you know, even when you don't think you're betting on Desmond Ritter, like he will come up out of nowhere and you will all of a sudden be betting on Desmond Ritter when you didn't know it. It's just, I look, I look and I go, yeah, the Cardinals, if, if this is good and the Texans like play, kind of not at the peak of their range i kind of just prefer the money line with the mm -hmm. cardinals yeah. like you know what i mean and almost like not even money line but like money line alts where it's like they win by like seven to ten <laughs> and you don't even yeah, get like yeah. the cj stroud like driving on you late mm -hmm. so i mean you can tell like I'm, I'm super on the fence about this because like i don't want to be like hey because you make all the good points about the cardinals it's like yeah it was the falcons and even then it was like by the skin of their teeth and like such a kind of like you know 
he brings a lot of like energy for that first game, but we see how that kind of like falls apart when you play a good team, especially on the road. And if the Texans are a good team, then like, yeah, minus four, minus four and a half. Like that doesn't seem all that much for the Texans to cover this game. So I am still very much on the fence about it. I kind of prefer if I absolutely had to bet it at this time, it's like, I'd wait and kind of hope to get a plus 200 on the money line for the Cardinals. I think it's like plus 180, 185 right now. Um, but it's one that honestly by Friday, after I do a bunch of research and, and kind of dig into this a little bit deeper, yeah, could easily be Texans, you know, for sure. minus the points. No, I got you. I got it's you. I'm gonna just I'm gonna be riding out this CJ Stroud thing for another week and my guy D'Amico. Of course, I'm rooting for him as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll see how that goes. Cause it's it's not a favorable great point place. about Ryan's. It's a great point yeah. about Ryan's. It's yeah. not a favorable place to be, though, <laughs> laying four points with the Houston Texans. Not where I yeah, thought I would be at the start of the season, yeah. but here we go. We're right? like hearkening back go. to the old days where it was like grin and bear the Texans plus ten and a half against somebody, right? right? And now it's like, oh, <laughs> minus four and a half? Like, what? Uh, we got yeah. the Titans at the Jags. Jags at home laying six and a half points. This is an interesting one for me because, you know, we love the – taking points with Mike Vrabel and the Jags in theory got exposed by the Niners, but I don't really know who was expecting much from the Jags against the Niners last week. Story for another day. This game might be more their speed. If you're the Jags, right? Yeah. More like within your weight class, they could obviously win this game, but I mean, I would never lay the six and a half points with them. I could see them winning the game by like a field goal or something like that. But sure. if you're giving me six and a half points, I'm going to take that with the Titans every single time. I tell you what, are you interested in seven? Because that sure. line is pretty much <laughs> widely available at seven right now. <laughs> Why not? So yes. get, you know, the control room's Hell already yeah. lit up. Well, let's, <laughs> let's get the control room changing that to seven because that is widely available. And it's terrifying because you're right about the idea yeah. of, you're right in both cases, right? The idea about like, yeah, are you ever dying to lay? Do you ever want to in any way lay like a significant amount of points to the Jaguars? Like they, you know, we've talked about this before. They literally like never cover as a favorite. And obviously, Mike Vrabel, underdog, like we like that sort of, you know, uh, all the time. And yeah, like since when is a team who scored what, like three points last week? Um, you know, should, when, since when should they be minus seven? But the line has moved up from minus yeah. six and a half to seven. And this is like a different deal for both the Jags and the Titans, right? Like mm-hmm. this is one of the better teams that the Titans would have played all season long. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it, you're, you're right. I don't, well, I shouldn't say that you're right. I agree with you. I think it's Titans plus the seven. I think they can win this game outright. Somebody's got to cover somebody on the back end because that's the thing that I think is sort of driving this, the idea that this is going to be a really good game for Trevor Lawrence against the the Titans' pass defense. But having watched the Jaguars' offensive line, I think the Titans can get pressure on Trevor Lawrence, right? And all Mm -hmm. it takes is kind of one strip sack fumble, ball bounces the wrong way, and all of a sudden you've got, you know, some Titan on the loose, um, you know, running to the end zone that, puts the Titans in play and like that's kind of what the Titans do all the time and so I don't know what the deal was when they're you know Baker Mayfield's lighting up the Titans I mean maybe it is that bad for the Titans from a um, defensive standpoint but yeah man like you said seven is a lot of points and I just can't 
I mean, if I laugh at the idea of taking Jags minus seven, like they might win this game by 25 points and whatever. But like, if I laugh at that idea, then obviously I have to take the Titans and knowing what we know about Rabel and the Titans, you know, record as an underdog and all that kind of stuff. Right. It's a lot like the Burrow thing, right. Where there's a, there's a lot of moving pieces. Like let's just rely on the one thing that we think we can rely on. And that's the Titans to be potentially frisky in, you know, as an underdog or in any game, really um and yeah i think yeah especially at a plus 260 type money line type thing too yeah yeah i think you just got to do it yeah i'll be taking the points for sure with the titans i'm i'm leaning on taking the points here but i i we need to talk this through there's a lot of big boy spreads this week and we got the raiders at the dolphins (laughs) dolphins 12 point favorites at home we know the raiders are coming off back-to-back wins you know the the pierce era is going well you know, everyone's fired up. Did I see? And I missed this. I don't know how I missed this from their first win. Was Max Crosby smoking a blunt like in an interview? <laughs> like, did I see that correctly? Like, what is going on right now? Anyway, the claim is that it's all cigars, but I mean, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm ready for anything. <laughs> right. Anyway, this is going up a weight class as we talk about a lot. Is you're going into Miami Dolphins also coming out of a bye, so mm. I understand the move up in terms of the line. Yeah. Double digit spreads like this, my lean is always to take the points initially. Sure. That's going to be my starting point. But I am wondering if this is just one of these games where the Dolphins' offense is just going to be at its peak because HN supposed to be back. They're obviously coming off the bye or healthier, etc. Yeah. Yeah. That's all very sort of scary. I think it just conceptually, right? Like we see the dolphins in these games and they're in a similar point spread, certainly against what the giants, mm-hmm. the Panthers, yep. uh, it says a little higher than the Patriots and they cover all those games. And then you have to decide like, are the Raiders in the category of the giants, the Panthers and the Patriots. And then you think, and I think to myself, like, no, I think those three teams are the worst three teams in the league. Correct. Right? Like those yeah. I kind of just listed literally like the three worst teams, especially now that Kyler's back with the Cardinals and like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Justin Fields is back with the Bears. And honestly, the Bears have shown enough to not be sort of lumped in with that group, uh, even, though, even though it took a lot out of them to just beat the Panthers on last Thursday night. So I just go, okay, you're, you know, you're putting the Raiders into that category. And some of those were easier covers than others and, and that sort of thing. And like, the other problem is like with the Raiders being in that category and like trying to figure out what category the Raiders should be in, you know, obviously the Raiders have had their issues the last year and a half or more, but like, there's a lot of talent on the Raiders. Hell yeah. Right. Like Josh Jacobs is like doing work. He's, I I thought it was really interesting that it's like, yeah, I actually get input on the runs I want to, of the plays (laughs) that I want, like for the runs that we do. Yeah. And it's like, imagine being a head coach and like just not consulting with your star running back who led the league in rushing yardage last year and just not consulting on what like hit the place that he likes. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, okay, like that's just a microcosm. And obviously the macrocosm, if you will, is like just everything you've heard about how much the Raiders hated Josh McDaniels. Right. And you just go like, why? Cause he's like a dork and like, he probably sucks at his job. And it's like, no, no, he literally just doesn't, you know, involve anybody in in discussions and and you know sort of making the team as mo- as efficient as possible mm-hmm. if you look around and it's like Devonte adams is on this team and josh and josh jacobs is on this team and by the way they're actually throwing it to michael Mayer, who made arguably like the best play of the game 
on mm-hmm. Sunday night. And it's like, that's a guy that I've been like, we should be betting on Mike, Mate, Michael Mayer because like any idiot would throw this guy the ball based on everything that we saw from him at Notre Dame. And it's like, well, there is one idiot who won't throw him the ball or won't have him throw you know, the ball. And that, of course, is Josh McDaniels through Jimmy G. And it's just like, yeah, all right, maybe throw it up to him, man. Like, you know, you throw yeah. all these tight ends, right? It's like, it's a pretty good idea to throw it to him. Hawkinson, Laporta, Komet with the Bears. It's just like, these really big dudes are going to help you out. And so it's just like, okay, they got kind of like three layers of, of players. They actually had decent plays. So when you got down to like third and two, it was like, all right, let's dust off Hunter or Renfro and get a you know, quick screen to him because you know that guy will put himself in harm's way to dive to get that third and two or that fourth and mm-hmm. one or whatever. And obviously Jacobs. And the defense, listen, the secondary is a little bit sketchy. They picked up the kid from uh, <laughs> that like basically quiet quit in New England, Jack Jones. And so the secondary is a little bit dicey. And that's obviously the worry here, because when we talked about this game last week and we talked about the idea, like, oh, hopefully the Raiders win again, because then it's probably going to turn on Sunday against the Dolphins. And at that time, the line was 10. And it was sort of the idea was like, well, maybe the Raiders win and the line goes down to nine and a half. And then we get the the Dolphins at minus nine and a half. Mm -hmm. It's gone the other way. It's gone up to 13 right now. There's some you can get some 13 and a half for like minus 110 right now so again let's get you know get get the, get the crew ready <laughs> this, to there's a lot this of movement going. this is the time of the this season is, well where... the time of the weekend the time of the season right because as we do this on you know wednesday afternoon it's like you know practice reports come out and again we yeah listen i say all this to say like maybe there is a, a raiders negative practice report but we just saw this team and again who knows right because we saw t higgins on sunday night and he was fine and then all of a sudden he pulls his hamstring in practice and he might be out for like a, multiple weeks so who knows what's happened it, the line hasn't moved that drastically. There was some 13s pretty much all week over a, you know, one specific uh, widely popular sports book. But yeah, I, I just think like the Dolphins defense, not, you know, not particularly great. And when I need a team to cover, I need them to have a pretty good defense or I need the other team to be completely and utterly incompetent. Giants, yeah. Panthers, Patriots, right? Like yeah. think about those squads for a second. For sure. Right? And it's like, I just don't have the Raiders there. And so while we're at while we're at it at plus 13, and if the vibes are truly right, and Jacobs is running the football, and by the way, like we even mentioned Max Crosby and the idea that maybe he catches, you know, Chagabailo with a you know with the sack fumble type situation. It doesn't take that long to get to a point. We're like, man, the Dolphins have only had this ball like seven times in this game because the Raiders yeah. had it and, and and just dragged the clock. And there was a one turnover and like, you know, just an NFL football type of a play. Plus 500 <laughs> on the money line. I see where you're going for here. the Raiders. Like, it's not something I'm looking like full unit Raiders plus 500. Right. But like if you're doing a round robin underdog money line parlay. And you see, like, yeah, I get there's three, four, so even, I mean, five big time spreads out there. I don't know. One of these has to lose. Like, I'm, I'm obviously, like, two or three of them will probably cover. I think this is one of them. Oh, we're about to get to another one. But, like, I think one of these, there could be a shocking upset in this group. And would it be shocking if it's a team that relies on timing, relies on all of that kind of rhythm type stuff? Would it be shocking if it's that team that had a week off? Because, like, getting healthier is cool, but, like, getting out of rhythm can be mm-hmm. a problem. 
And again, maybe it's one throw that finds a defensive back. Maybe it's Max Crosby getting around an offensive line that honestly hasn't really been all that great or all that healthy lately. And it's not like, okay, well, the you know Dolphins have this good like pass rush and good corners and stuff. And it's like, I don't know that they're going to be used all that much because you're just going to get Josh Jacobs in the face for 60 minutes. Yeah. And like, you know, and the tight end is going to be involved. And by the way, like as good as the, as the corners might be, especially Jalen Ramsey, like Devontae Adams is pretty good too at getting open. So it's just like, I can kind of see a route to the Raiders certainly being competitive in this game. And then it's just like, would you be shocked if Sunday night, you know, Sunday nighter is like 15 minutes away from starting and they're going through the highlights and it's like the good vibes are still going for the Raiders. And it's like Josh Jacobs. It's just like, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, just compared to some of these other double digit uh, dogs here that I think aren't even close to the level uh, of talent that the Raiders are at. I just think this game could get a little bit frisky here for, you know, honestly a, a Dolphins team that most of their reputation this season has been built on beating the Patriots, the Giants and the Panthers. Yeah. No, I got you. I got you. Uh, Vegas is a move there for sure. And then one big boy spread. We got another here as the Bucks will be taking on the Niners. Niners at home laying 11 and a half points. Again, I'm on the Bucks here with the big boy spread to start. I hate yeah. this number because, right. of course, the Niners can blow them out. We talked last week about how much the Niners offense just fits better in place with Debo there and you just see mismatch after mismatch after mismatch and I just don't know if I can lay that many points it's not because I don't think that they can win the game by that much they could easily blow them out sure but there's just too many weird things where it's like okay Niners are back but do we need to to bring out the full repertoire against the Bucks? Also, for whatever reason, the Bucks being down big, you just see Mike Evans running free and catching a meaningless touchdown for absolutely no reason at all. Like right. those are the things that I'm worried about that you need if I'm going to lay that many points. So I'm nervous here, but I'm mm -hmm. that's why I'm on the Bucks plus 11 and a half here. So sometimes when we talk about rating, right, the idea is like, okay, there's this number and it's like the right number for a team all the time. Right. Like we talked about the, the Jackie Robinson 42 club, which the Buccaneers are very much involved in. Right. Yeah. And it's like, well, they don't just because their average rating is a 42 doesn't mean they're always going to play to a 42. Yeah. And that 42, by the way, like I happen to think is like a skosh higher than average because it's a veteran team and you're not going to get the same like crazy swings necessarily that you might with a team that's a little bit younger who's rated you know kind of similarly or has a quarterback like a mac jones who you just never know like what you're going to get how bad is it going to be on a weekly basis for mac jones right yeah but it's like i don't know that we're going to get a ton of buccaneers like playing above average like an as an above average <laughs> team i don't even think we got that last week when they won you know relatively easily against the titans like rashad white like cracked a long run like since when does rashad white kind of get loose for a long touchdown right mike Evans certainly made his usual you know catastrophic drop in the end zone but they were over to able to overcome that against the titans and so i just you know reminding everybody that this just kind of is an average here and so like well what games do the buccaneers play where they play below average and it's honestly like the best competition that they've faced they face yeah. the bills the eagles mm -hmm. right because baker gets in the space where it's like oh man like i gotta do this and i gotta do that and like the run you know the run game isn't working like in any way shape or form and like all that kind of stuff 
And like that sets up like this game a lot, right? Where it's like, oh man, 49ers defense, like so warming. <laughs> and, and you know, and you're like, yeah, Baker's not able to get anything going. And like Mike Evans is like totally checked out because the ball isn't like perfectly thrown to him. And like I said, you know, the run game's not doing anything to help. And then like what's left at that point? Yeah. Chris Godwin, Caden Otten. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think that's a thing. And again, then, you know, you know, I don't know why Tennessee wasn't able to do anything against the Buccaneers past defense, but it's like, okay, is Brock Purdy and the 49ers offense, which from a structural standpoint, looks a lot like the Texans offense because the Texans have a former 49er offensive assistant on the team. Like you did the thing about the coaching and which is really great about the Kyler Murray uh, element. Like, I think it's the kind of same thing where it's like, oh man, Bucks, uh, Bucks defense, instead of dealing with whatever the Titans offense is, which is kind of boom or bust, right? They're going to take a few shots, shots deep with Levis and they're hoping to run the, run it down your throat. 49ers are going to find guys open. Brock Purdy is going to find guys open. So I think they build a big lead here. I don't think this is a build situation where they're going to like allow the slowest, most catastrophically ridiculous backdoor cover type situation. Obviously that's possible and it doesn't have to play the exact same way here, but it's like, it's not like the 49ers just came back all healthy, added Chase Young, who was a factor. Like it wasn't like it was like, Oh, I didn't even see Chase Young out there. Like was a factor, made everybody else better you know incrementally i don't think they just come back smoke the jags and they're like all right our job is done here guys we're fine it's like no man i think they're still looking to like take some stuff out on Build some, some momentum and you know the funniest thing was that just popped into my head how hyped i got watching the the boombox guy come out with trent right. debo and chase mm-hmm. young in the middle i was like Oh yeah, they got Chase Young too. Yo, Baker has no chance against that D line, right? Like that's a problem for Baker. Because yeah. I remember, I'm like, not that I forgot they had Chase Young, but I'm just saying the fact that he was up in the front and just like getting down to is like, yo, yeah. this D line can be a problem. Yeah. Also, I'm gonna add in something that has the pick has been changed for the people listening at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Francisco minus eleven and a half doesn't take much for you to talk me into this, but. What I found hilarious last week was the Trent Williams post game where he's talking about because Trent Williams back and he's a massive part to their offense as well. Right. Sure. But he was talking about the DB running away from him when he was pulling. Yeah. <laughs> he's out pulling for McCaffrey. Yeah. And he's like, Same. yeah, that number 31 guy like ran away. Oh. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. I would do the same thing. I don't right? blame the guy. That's a massive, massive, massive man. We're on the Niners to take a massive, massive spread here. 11 and a half. Let's go to the Jets at the Bills. Bills at home and favored by seven points here. And why are the Bills laying seven points? I'm very confused by this. I can't lie to you here because I've watched the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and one of the things we talked about is last week, yeah, whatever the record is, there are games that we are very, very, very confident in. And the Buffalo Bills laying seven and a half points seemed like a suckery bet of all suckery bets possible. And people bet it, man. They <laughs> bet it on Monday. That thing closed eight or at least got up to eight. When I was like, all right, I'll bet more if you want. Yeah, made no sense here. So now a week later, the Bills are still laying seven points. And I understand it's the Jets. I understand the Jets are a problem, but we know the Bills are also a problem. We know these teams played tough on opening night. And so I don't understand how this still can be Bills minus seven. For that reason, give me the Jets, who I know at least 
their defense will not make it easy on Josh Allen, who all we've seen lately is he likes to turn over the ball. That can't all be the offensive coordinator's fault. Give me the Jets. Yeah, so explanation for the line is like, it's it's honestly about the Jets. And it's funny because it's the one game, the one rematch, maybe not the only one in the, in the league, but certainly between uh, either of these teams, where we can't go back to the other game that's happened and, and, yeah. and compare the point spread because the point spread was based on Aaron Rodgers being a correct, point, right? You'll remember the, the, the Bills in that game were, what, two and a half, two? They were under a field goal, something yeah. like that, on the road, right, against the Jets. And so even if you took the Aaron Rodgers point spread, think of it this way, right? As we talk about this, right, all the time, it's, you know, basically, if you have, if we can pinpoint some home field advantage, it's a two-point home field advantage. Like, the average in the league is probably one and a half. I'd say the Jets, certainly the Bills, have a two-point advantage. So let's give it a four-point swing. So Mm -hmm. if Aaron Rodgers was, you know, if this was week one, the version of this game in week one would be Buffalo minus six. It's not that far off from where we are now. And Zach Wilson is the quarterback for the Jets. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, and Aaron Rodgers isn't. And so obviously, you know, it's you can see how far the Bills have fallen. The Bills have essentially fallen one point shy of the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? Because if the line is only one point different from Aaron Rodgers to Zach Wilson. That means the Bills have fallen that far from from a rating perspective. And so at least we know the rating for the Bills is coming down. And so if we if we go back and we think about the Bills before the season started in that first game and their rating, which is like, you know, high 60s, let's call it a 68 out of 100, right? Like, what would that line look like in this game? Well, the Bills would be favored by, quick math here, boop, 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 uh, nine. Mm-hmm. So it's it's fallen from nine to seven, which like obviously with the key okay. number of seven, like that's a pretty significant um, move. And obviously that's not the Aaron Rodgers Jets. That's just the Bills, right? Yeah, that's just the Bills rating against Zach Wilson. Um, yeah, obviously we know what the number would be if if Aaron Rodgers was involved. Yeah. So you know the line isn't crazy because we have you know because again we tr- because we track this stuff, we know that like okay they have dropped, but the reality is is like. Things are not going well in Buffalo. They are firing people. Like this isn't like, oh, we've won a handful of games here and like nobody notices that we're not good. It's like, no, we are panic move, you know, firing people because Sean McDermott, it's like the last move that he can make to save his job, essentially. Mm-hmm. And honestly, a lot of this isn't even his fault. It's not even Ken Dorsey's fault because the metrics always look good for the Bills. At some point, Josh Allen has to stop turning the ball over stupid lame fumbles like the fumble where like he dropped the ball before he dropped the ball in handing mm-hmm. handing it off to james cook james cook almost well he did fumble twice and he probably should have lost that second one except for the immutable laws of physics just went down <laughs> and the ball bounced directly back to him and i can't tell you how aggravated that made me when it just bounces directly back to him and so it's like is that going to change right is josh allen going to stop forcing those balls in and is the jets the team that that's going to change against. And it's like, even at the best of times, the Jets are just a massive pain in the ass for the Bills. And so yeah. it's like, I, you can make the case that the Bills are at the low point and like this is a buy low situation on the Bills. Because it technically is. But the stuff that we don't like about the Bills like has it shows no sign of being rectified. The defense is still not healthy. In, in fact, it has gotten so not healthy 
that DeMar Hamlin is playing on defense now. Yeah. And like as much as we love that DeMar Hamlin is alive, he has always been a sort of break in case of emergency option for the Bills, even going back to last season, where it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, we need multiple guys to get hurt for the, for, for this guy to play um, actual defensive snaps. Yeah. And so it's like the defense isn't getting healthier. The offense, from a metric standpoint, was never the problem. It was the turnover issue. You are not going to have wide open guys. We just watched um, uh, Stefan Diggs get locked up by Patrick Sertain, and now he's going to get a lot of Sauce Gardner and Reed, right? And it's like there is no good option there. And so I just look at it and go, like, okay, is this going to be? Are you just going to run the ball with James Cook a ton against the Jets defense? Like, you know, and, and by the way, you're going to win this game by two scores. Like, I'm going to keep, like, uh, the worst thing that happens is that this six-game stretch is us going five and one, fading the Bills every week with a bunch of money line, like, Bills fades yeah. that were successful. Yeah. I am fine with that. But the upside here is six and oh, because, again, yeah, the rating is going down on the Bills, but, like, I'm not positive we're at rock bottom here. Yeah. This could be it for sure. <laughs> rock bottom. Losing to the Jets, I mean, in, in terms of that market, for sure, that would be rock bottom for those fans, for sure. Let's keep it moving, though. We got the Cowboys at the Panthers. We are back to the big boy spreads here, as I was talking about earlier. Cowboys on the road favored by 10.5 points. If I've learned anything, though, the Cowboys love beating up on bad teams. The Panthers qualify yeah. as a very bad team. Yeah. Uh, again, normally, like this, this should tell you enough here. Normally, I, I just said, right, my lean is to take the points and then need mm-hmm. to be convinced. Here, yeah. it's the other way where I'm on the Cowboys uh, taking nine and or ten and a half points. Pardon me, I can't speak yeah. against a Panthers team no. that, yeah. That I, I got nothing on the Panthers. I'm not gonna. Lie well, to okay, I'm gonna try to convince you to take the Panthers here. Okay. Uh, no, no, I'm not. This is the Cowboys. Um, <laughs> you actually had me there. I was like, wait, this what? Is the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, what are we talking about here? The Panthers are horrendous. Like, just so bad. And even, like, the things that, like, you hoped were going to make the Panthers better, like, just haven't. I, I will say, like, as a note, like, getting healthier defensively, J.C. Horn potentially coming back. We'll have to see whether, you know, you never know. With the 21-day, like, the window is open for a guy to come back. Does that mean, like, he's been standing at, outside the window, like, banging on it to try to get into a game? Or is it like, yeah, he's back eh, maybe next week, right? Like, so we'll see what happens with J.C. Horn. And by the way, like, getting J.C. Horn back in his first game, you know, basically all season, uh, or at least since, what, week one or week two, you know, is that all, is that great? <laughs> it's like, eh. You know what I mean? Is that going to change anything for the Panthers' outlook here? Um, what's the best case scenario for points for the Panthers against the against the Cowboys? Right? Like, man, it's true. Ten ish. Like, you know, like I don't know. Yeah. Even saying like they might get ten is like, oh god, I don't even see that happening. So yeah, I just look at this and I go, it's ten and a half. That's the correct number based on power ratings. The Cowboys, by the way, like. If their power rating right now is 68 out of 100, we'll just sort of use that kind of as a number. Or you can, you know, tweak that, uh, you know, a, a power rating point here or there, right? Whether it's low mm-hmm. 70s or or, or uh, high 60s, there's a possibility that the Cowboys are better than that. Definitely, especially in the rejuvenation of their offense that that happened over the last few weeks, where it was like, all right, we're going to do this a little bit differently. So it's kind of gone under the radar. 
I don't know if it's under the radar because they've been pounding teams lately or, or because they didn't win that game against the Eagles. But I think you and I agree, like there's a lot of game, a lot of times they win that game in Philadelphia. They just happened to not yeah. in that, in that game. Um, and it's honestly one of those, the rare game, that game in, in Philadelphia is one where after that game, the Cowboys actually, I think in my estimation, got to move up in rating. And the Eagles got a little move downwards in ratings because the the underlying metrics for that game were so heavy in favor of the Cowboys, where the betting market, the sharp betting market, the odds makers were like, you know what? The Cowboys at plus three was that number was too high in retrospect, even though they got away with it by not covering. And it's one of only a couple that were sort of like that, where they went against the idea of like, well, this team wins or this team covers. So this team goes up in, in a market rating. That's not what happened. So. I just go, okay, Dallas could be like really good and they're only getting sort of credit for being good. And then the Panthers, you know, like I want to yeah. believe they're not a floor team, a 20 out of 100. But like there's <laughs> not a ton there. Again, outside of the idea that like Burns and Horn come back and like they play well and they're healthy and like they actually matter. I think they do if they're playing other bad or even mediocre teams. But against a team that like will just kind of look at that and be like, sure, cool. Like you have one good pass rusher. We can handle that. We have all kinds of weapons and a better offensive system here where it's involving short passes, getting the ball in CD Lamb's hands. By the way, that guy is on the come up um, with regards to his statistic statistics. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I think this is one where it's like, what am I worried about Carolina's like vicious home field advantage? Like. No, I think the Cowboys probably, you know, get business handled here in this game as well. I like it. I like it a lot. What about this one here? We got the Bears at the Lions. Not quite into the double digits for the Lions, but close yeah. as they're nine point favorites at home. Uh, I, I like the Lions here with the nine because I think they just get buckets. They put points <laughs> on the board. Right. And I don't know what their defense is able to do too much, but it's not like the Bears offense is lighting up the scoreboards, even if Justin Fields is supposed to be back, which, I mean, if we're being honest, their offense did seem more functional with Tyson Bajant than it did with Justin Fields. No? Yeah, in a, yeah, in a different way, right? I think there's a lot there's of stuff that Justin Fields, in theory, can watch from those games and be like, okay, I just need to do that stuff. And if you watch like a, you know, think about Bajan whenever he would just take the ball and run with it. And True. he would just sort of, you know, he'd get the first down and he'd slide yeah. or he'd get it sort of, you know, he'd never take any hits or anything like okay. that. Yeah. Whereas like if you just took, got an extra 15 yards because you're Justin Fields on those plays, yeah. like it doesn't have to be forced. They'll, they'll run plays with him, which is also, by the way, an added element, right? Where it's like, yeah, we're just going to do a QB sweep here on third and two to the edge. And like, that's something that Justin Fields can do where Bajant can't necessarily do that. And obviously there's an explosive element in general to, to Justin Fields. So I am going, you know, I'm going to upgrade the bears by having fields back for this game. And I think the market has done that too, because this open 10 and a half. Okay. And I was under the impression all along that Justin Fields is going to play in this game. So I bet bears plus 10 and a half. And then it got announced. And then it wasn't like immediate. I don't think, you know, it didn't, certainly didn't feel immediate, but like this line then drops down to nine, mm. you know, and that's, it's not the keyest number in the history of time here, but like, there's a difference between nine and, and 10 and a half. Like that number Most 10 will, will, will come involved, will become involved. And I, you know, I just kind of go like, I definitely don't really want anything to do with the bears at plus nine. 
I don't know that it goes any lower, by the way, because if it goes to eight and a half, all of a sudden the Lions become a apex teaser option to get that <laughs> under three, right? Like imagine yeah. Lions under three in this game for, for a teaser leg. So if it does, then okay, cool. Like that's the play, that's the play that I would do it. So like I just have a small bet already on the Bears plus ten and a half. I might like I'm I, I certainly I'm more likely to come back on the Lions at minus nine if it comes down to like I said eight and a half or you can get minus nine at like even you know even money and all that kind of sort of betting math type stuff. So yeah, I you know I don't I think the line has probably gone a little bit too far here off of off of yeah. off of this news. But yeah, I certainly had no problem betting the Bears early because the Bears defense has gotten a lot better. The run defense has always been good. That's the way you stop the Lions, obviously. Um, yeah, it's just a tricky game that I'm kind of just fine with a small position that I already have on a line that's already gone. I know that's not all that exciting for anybody out there, but that's that's life. There's a lot of no, games. I got you. It's just another lesson, though, in terms of the importance of numbers, right? And like feeling a lot more comfortable being on the Lions at minus nine than minus ten and a half. I think that's a very important lesson. And by the, the way, like we mentioned the idea, like the Lions, you know, that spread getting out to two and a half and three. We mentioned that last week. Like, yep. That's a basis of the Lions sure. rating getting like kind of nuts, right? Like that got that wasn't against the Chargers necessarily. That was, you know, there's reasons to, you know, if one well, line moves, right? Sometimes it's fading one side, sometimes it's backing the other. You know, you couldn't fade the Chargers after two straight wins, I don't think, at least to not that not to that degree. So I think that was people really, really liking the Lions in that game. And again, that what you watch that defense. And, you know, Dan Campbell goes for it on fourth and two because he's not positive his defense can stop anybody exactly. coming back the other way. And so, like, that's the other element of, like, why I'm not dying to come back on Detroit here because this easily could be a 14-point game, 17-point game, something along those lines where the Bears with Justin Fields are able to move the ball and backdoor, that, backdoor this game. And mm -hmm. when, again, what do we talk about with regards to, you know, the Dolphins or the Cowboys you know, the Dolphins in a negative way. I don't love the defense. Cowboys, I'm fine with thinking that they can build a 21 to 10 lead and then just not let the Panthers get anywhere near the goal line. I don't have that same confidence in the, in the Lions at this point. No, I got you. I got you. Super interesting one there. And you mentioned the Chargers. Chargers on the road in Green Bay laying three points. Chargers, again, favored on the road by three yeah. points in Green Bay. This is a tough one. As you mentioned, the Chargers lost in a shootout to Detroit last week. Packers lost a close one in Pitt. But I'm having trouble laying three points with the Chargers on the road. And I, I know the Packers have been brutal this year, but I just mm -hmm. feel like I, I kind of have to. I feel like the rules tell me I should be taking the Packers at home plus the points here. Yeah, I agree. It's it's part of it is like, okay, the Packers obviously offensively been really, really ugly. They got the Rams, they get the Steelers, right? And obviously they the, the Rams are like the team who defensively were okay in that game. They just <laughs> the Packers had so many chances. It was like this like scrimmage, right? Where it was like, Yeah, oh, you haven't had, you haven't had the ball in a minute. Let's just give the Packers the ball back because they need to work on some stuff offensively. And it's like, it wasn't pretty, but like they got enough, <laughs> they got to run a bunch of plays, right? And it was like, mm -hmm. that was the, that was the good thing for the Packers. Obviously they won that game against the Rams, right? But they're probably in retrospect, never going to lose that game um, with your guy, uh, Brett Rippon involved for the uh, Rams. And then they go and they, and maybe that gives them some confidence to go into Pittsburgh 
And honestly, like Pittsburgh covered, and we talked about how that game was going to be like very similar to the Titans game the week before and literally finished Steelers by four uh, in the exact same way. So it was like kind of creepy in that in that case. But you go into Pittsburgh and like they were hitting deep shots and they were working the middle of the field down down the field. And you're like, okay, like maybe we're sort of like finding the right plays here, the stuff that we like. And like now they go back home and is it like, is this against a good defense where like all that good sort of vibes are going to go away? I don't think so, right? Because <laughs> it's the Chargers defense. It's like kind of one of the five most perfect defenses that you might want to like, you know, keep the good vibes rolling against. So, yeah. you know, I think the, the correct number is three in this game based on, you know, sort of my ratings, market ratings, all that stuff. And that was indicated by the fact that this open three and a half, or at least was available for three and a half with a little bit of juice on the Packers. So I bet the Packers plus three and a half at like minus 117 was the best price I could get on that. And then honestly, the number went back down to three and I was like, all right, I'll get a little bit more of the Packers at three. I don't think it necessarily crosses down through three because I mean, again, the Packers are not a good football team. Yeah, but honestly, like it's hard to say that outside of you know a couple of you know good players and a couple of decent things they do on offense, I don't know that the Chargers are either. So yeah, I'll definitely take the home team plus the three points in this game. Definitely an interesting one there, and another interesting one here for all the wrong reasons, as we have your man's Tommy DeVito and the Giants taking on the Commanders. Commanders at home laying nine and a half points. I can't believe I'm saying the words commanders laying nine and a half points. Yep. And I'm in a position where I'm laying nine and a half points with the commanders here. But I, I, I took a step back and I thought about yep. it. And I'm like, why can't they win 17, seven? That's not that impressive, <laughs> right? Like sure. 17, seven, sure. 20 to 10. Like right. Tommy DeVito wasn't moving the ball anywhere. In right. fact, what were the numbers last week? It's like the Cowboys had 28 yeah, first half good. points. The yeah. giants had 27 first half yards. Yeah. I mean, you could tell me anything because I didn't right, watch the like, second of that game on a featured screen. So we were, argue, I was actually in the office. Very much that the day, fourth screen of four. And everyone was talking to me, oh, I'm juicing up the Cowboys line to take them by minus 20, minus 25. And I'm like, that's cool for you guys to do that, but I, I have no interest in doing that or watching this game. <laughs> right. So I'm happy for you guys for doing yeah. that, but cool. Long ways to say here. I don't know if Tommy DeVito can put up 10 points. I feel like the commanders can put up 10 points. I don't really like this game at all. And if you told me that they covered the 10 points, cool. I'm just not going to bet on it. I'm just not going to bet on the Giants and Tommy DeVito. That's just where this lies. That's where where you want to be, not in the the Tommy DeVito camp. Uh, I already bet the Giants, man. I love the Giants. I bet the Giants plus 10. I um it. and I, it's funny right it's like you're like yeah no that's, that's i get a reasonable it. move yeah um was 14 to 7 i think the, the previous meeting yes, it was. you know in uh in new york obviously different you know there was a lack of uh, devito in our lives in that game um was that the game tyra got hurt no that was the jets game um yeah i mean 10 like again this was this was based off of 10 um that was the line that was the open that was the line you know monday i think most tuesday then it came off of that uh let's play our you know everybody's favorite game show right like where do you think the giants are rated we're you know let's put it this way when they were 18 point underdogs against the cowboys like what would your estimated what would your guess be on what the giants rated had to be in the 20s man they were 12 oh wow (laughs) they were 12 
right? And that's right. unless we go like not, you know, every, yeah, yeah, everything yeah. shifts and we just go like Cowboys are unbelievable, yeah, yeah, best yeah, team yeah. in the league. Like that's how we get the Giants to 20, right? Like you can move both of those pieces. So it's like, all right, let's keep the Giants at 12 because like they didn't cover in that game. Like hey, you want to go to 11 or 10, like fine. But like we are at the Earth's core right now with regards to the Giants rating keeping the commanders at a pretty reasonable rating of like in the high thirties. <laughs> sure. Right. Like, are we yeah. okay? like, is that too yeah. low? I mean, you, I'm, I'm okay with that. Maybe it's a little too low, but like that still doesn't get you to 10. Like we got to go, we got to keep the giants at 12 and we got to move the commanders up to like 40. You got to throw them in the Jackie Robinson club, right? The 42 club. And cool. Yeah, and that even that that just gets you to ten. That's the fair line at that point. Yeah, 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 and it's yeah. like, well, what about the commanders would suggest that they're going to play above average in this game? I, you know, this is where you know people talk about divisional game and like ball, and and they sort of they they talk about it. It's a cliche. Part of it's right, but they also kind of use it incorrectly. The idea of a divisional game is like you you both know each other pretty well. Like you know what the other team wants to do because you've already prepared for them once this season so once you don't have to re-prepare for them you just get to pre prepare prepare on top mm -hmm. of it right you get to do more prepare, preparation you get to see the stuff that you didn't see the first time around etc etc so it doesn't mean that the cowboy the cowboys the commanders can't win this game or win this game by like a significant margin i should say it's more just like it's going to be more difficult to do that because of the preparation that the opponent is going to have now, Definitely. the problem is that the opponent has Tommy DeVito. But as a general rule, one, are they at rock bottom with a rating? Actually, they're below rock bottom. They are in the Earth's core. Two, can we expect the Giants to be any level of better than we saw last week? I would hope so. And it's like, yeah, another week of practice. Like, even the second half against the third string of the Cowboys, <laughs> we're like, the if you had told me the Giants were going to score 17 points in that game, and I would be like, oh, wow, okay, so they covered 18? And you'd be like, no, never no. really came close. <laughs> and I'd be like, wow, that's something else right there. <laughs> so... But it's like, this isn't the Cowboys offense. Exactly. You know, that they're facing this week. It's All the facts. commander's offense that they've already faced, that they've already done well against in that 14-7 to game, which was a 14-7 win, by the way, for <sighs> the Giants. So they only gave up seven the first time around. Yeah. So, like, what's the amount of point? Like, why would we think that the commanders are going to get more points? Now, if that's Tommy DeVito turning the ball over a bunch, okay, but, like, it also wasn't really that it was he they were punting the ball a lot i mean that game was i think scoreless at the end of the first quarter yeah so again it's a lot of points you've already sort of acknowledged that it's a lot of points so we've also been laying points with the 49ers we've been laying points with the cowboys do the commanders fall in the category of a team <laughs> that you want to lay like points against? Like, mm. I don't really think that's the same thing it's as not. some of these other teams. Right. And so like, if it's the simple thing of like, wow, dolphins are good, but the Raiders are, might not be bad. So that's why we like the Raiders. Uh, 49ers might be the best team in the league and are feeling it right now. And the Buccaneers are pretty below average. So we understand why we're taking the 49ers. Cowboys, good. Panthers, bad. Like, this is the thing where it kind of falls apart, right? Where there's like, there's no Cowboys or Commanders. I keep calling Commanders Cowboys. Uh, there's no thing here where the Commanders are like good enough to be laying this amount of points. 
And so if you get into this scrappy, like first team to 10 type situation, which we might, Ugh. guess what also comes into play here? The money line, right? Like Ugh. we told you the Giants got a serviceable checkdowns and Saquon Barkley and like a bunch of stuff. And they got to 13 points and the defense of Thibodeau, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe they get a turnover for a score or something along those lines. Or Sam Howell goes into like Sam Howell's Rose for interception mode. Like you wouldn't be remotely surprised if any of that stuff happened. Right. And so like, I think the giants can win this game if they just get, again, this is a big if <laughs> functional quarterback play, which again, like, we're in a world where a coach is looking at Dorian Thompson Robinson and being like, you're in, buddy. Like, yeah. I just, it doesn't I, take I, that much to be okay at quarterback. No, no, no. I hear you. I just, I'm going to be honest. I want very little to do with this game at all on Sunday. I'm with Listen, you. I hear you. Why, I hear you. If you didn't have to watch it, why would you? <laughs> right. But we have such... the Giants money line, so I'm watching the hell out of this game. <laughs> Why would you watch it? What do you have great games like the Seahawks and Rams? No, I'm joking. Yeah. But that is the next game. Seahawks, Rams. Rams at or at home are underdogs here, but it's basically a pick'em game as Seahawks are favored by one. NFC West showdown. Seahawks need to keep track with keep up with the Niners, so to speak. But these games are always tough between these two teams. Rams are at home, coming off a bye. Stafford should be back in the mix. Mm-hmm. and, you know, I feel like the rest might be good for the Rams team, and I like the Rams here in this one. Yeah, I mean, Stafford comes back, but you go, all right, how healthy is he actually going to be, right? Because this is a guy who will come back and play if he's not fully healthy. Correct. And we commend him for that. Mm-hmm. Is that something that I want to sort of bet on when the, when the idea is, like, I need you to win a game here? Or is that something that I want to save for a situation where they're, you know, plus seven, plus four and a half, like, you know, something along those lines, whether it's home or on the road. And yeah, like that's kind of where I rather save this. This line, obviously moving with the Stafford confirmation has moved their rating from way, way down with Brett Rippon to back to kind of like just below average from a team perspective. And obviously the first game that we saw this season with these two teams against each other in week one, the Rams kind of just like, Honestly, it was like a stunner, right? Like they just came out and were just, and Stafford's healthy, like peak Stafford vibing, like doing shimmies out there. And he's just zipping the ball around. And it's like the Seahawks are just like, what's happening? And by the way, like the Seahawks not fully healthy on defense in that game. True. Now, Seahawks are a lot healthier on defense, right? Jamal Adams is there. He's out there causing disturbances, right? You're getting, you're, you're another sort of, week into the Witherspoon era and, uh, you know, Reek Woolen and, and all of that sort of thing. I just don't think that I want to be betting on the Rams here, asking them to win a game against a team that while shaky, a team like the the Seahawks, where, you know, we talked about like, is your average, like, are you going to stick to your average? Or are you going to swing on polars? You know, we've been backing the underdog in the last two games of the Seahawks. In one of those games, they were the underdog and they flunked out miserably. Last week, we bet we faded them as a significant favorite and they almost lost the game. And man, would that have been sweet if they had lost to the commanders from a financial standpoint, but they didn't. But again, this is a comfortable matchup for the Seahawks. And they don't need to do anything special. They just need they just need to beat a team that like 
cool you got a week off but like that might get Matt's, matt stafford into the game but i don't know that that's necessarily going to like keep him in the game or mean that we're getting like the best version of matt stafford which is like it sucks because when he's good you know it's like a lot of these quarterbacks like kyler right it's like oh it's so much more fun when these guys are like at their best health and so when people complain about the oh man what a soft uh rough, roughing the passer call it's like which would you prefer man would you rather you know tommy devito or would you rather healthy you know fill in the blank quote-unquote star quarterback in these games it's like yeah if honestly if there's a couple of sketchy roughing the passer calls along the way and it keeps these guys upright so that we get healthy matthew stafford we get healthy Tyler murray and go on down the line like there's a lot of things i like to complain about that are worthy of complaining about when it comes to officiating the roughing the passer stuff just kind of isn't one of them because like God, what happens if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt? What happens if Tua gets hurt, right? Like, it gets so bad so quick in a league that's already kind of bad from a quality control standpoint. So all that is to say, like, I'm not ready to commit to the Rams being all of a sudden back to kind of pretty close to the maximum rating that they have been at all mm-hmm. season long. Whereas the Seahawks can do enough stuff defensively, offensively, that, like, they should win this game. And we're not asking to win this game by margin. You know, exactly. not saying like, hey, could you hold on to a five point lead? It's like, no, man, just like get the field goal late, which is like yeah. a Pete Carroll move, right? Like that's the other thing about Pete Carroll. He'll keep you in the game as an underdog because he'll go for field goals when nobody thinks he should. And by the way, like he'll also keep you if they're in the game, if he's the favorite because he'll go for field goals and you don't think he should. So like if this comes down to a field goal, which I kind of think it does, then like I'm going to prefer the team that has more talent, that is more definitively healthy and, and is honestly just better both sides of the ball. No, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. I'm going to stick with the Rams and then huh. regret it very quickly. <laughs> sure. Uh, Sunday night football. We got the Vikings at the Broncos. Broncos at home laying two and a half points. I will be on the Broncos, despite the fact that I do enjoy this Josh Dobbs story. It's been yeah. incredible. The problem is, I have to ask mm-hmm. a serious question. Are the Broncos now rolling? They've won three games in a row. They've beaten the Bills and Chiefs. Yeah. And I mean, despite whatever the Vikings, Vikings have looked all right, but like asking them to go into Denver and win, that seems like a a very large task to ask Josh Dobbs and the Vikings to do. For that reason, I'm on the Denver Broncos laying less than a field goal at home. Yeah, I mean, the Josh Dobbs thing is really cool. We love Josh Dobbs as, like, home underdog, road underdog of more than a field goal. Like, things where the bar is pretty low. And while this doesn't necessarily indicate, because it's tricky with, you know, from a rating standpoint, the Vikings are going to get bumped up after winning that game against the Saints. The Broncos are also going to get bumped up after winning that game against the Bills. Who gets bumped up more? Like, how far do each de- you know does each team get bumped up? Like, it gets a little bit tricky, and you, won't, you need a second data point. So we won't know really until next week. Now, you can look at the look-ahead lines that some sportsbooks have up and sort of get the idea of like, oh, oh, so they think both of these teams are really, you know, a lot better than they did last week by kind of comparing them. Problem is, the Broncos' opponent next week is the Cleveland Browns. So we don't know what to make of what, you know, that whole deal. And so, you know, there's no sort of, you know, comp there necessarily. And the Vikings, one, might get Justin uh, Jefferson back this week. And two, you know, if they don't, you obviously have to price in Justin Jefferson's return for the following week. So they, for example, 
are minus four in look ahead lines against the Bears next Monday night, which is a line that tells me absolute positively that A, the Vikings have been boosted in rating, and Justin Jefferson is probably going to be back for that game. If he's back for this game and this line dips even further, very cool. We'll get a better price on the Broncos. But I am with you. We have to bet the Broncos in this game. And one of the things in my sort of job or whatever, and everybody gets some, you know, have small things in their job that sort of allow, uh, that give them kind of small victories, if you will. And one of them is writing about that game on Monday night and listing off the defensive changes from a personnel perspective that the Broncos made after the first four or five games of the year, where it was like Broncos defense, historically bad, and like all of that sort of thing. And one of the players that I mentioned was Jaquan McMillian, which I thought his name was Jaqu Jaquan McMillan and couldn't really figure out why I was spelling his name wrong. And it took me a real long time to figure out that I was missing an I because it's McMillian and not McMillan. But then he immediately steals the ball from James Cook on basically the first play of the game. And the Broncos defense is already off and running and showing out against, again, from a metric standpoint, a pretty good Bills offense. So the point is, is like when you can find that stuff out that the people aren't necessarily talking about, that's the edge beyond some of this, you know, rating stuff that we talk and who's overvalued or undervalued by a half point here, or half point there. When you can see that a team has no business being an eight point underdog on Monday night and probably should be like a five point underdog and then bet that accordingly and it works out and it does so because the defense is so good. Like that's the stuff right there, man. That is the stuff. And so now that's proven, or at least that's sort of in, you know, we have another data point beyond two games against the Chiefs where they didn't allow much to the Chiefs offense. We have a pretty strong sample size that's starting to get built up here that the Broncos defense is really, really good. And as much as like the Josh Dobbs thing, as you said, is like really, really cool. We're going from Falcons, <laughs> which like, you know, where are we on the Falcons, you know, thought yeah, process right now? For sure. To uh, Saints, who we've, like, adored fading most of the season, right? Definitely. And now it's, like you said, road game, night game. Sean Payton, like, again, the offense. Like, would I like to see Russell Wilson throw the ball, like, down the field a little bit more? But on the other hand, if the defense is going to be that good... These little like his big plays are like dump offs and like backhanded flicks to the to the uh, running back and Javante Williams and having Javante Williams just like hit people over and over and over. It's like I'm actually pretty cool with just no turnovers, Russell Wilson, even if it means punt, 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 punt a bunch of times and like get this thing into like a grimy state. I haven't looked at the total and God knows I'm terrible with from a luck perspective when it comes to totals and, and that sort of thing um 43 honestly 43 seems high in this game doesn't it like how many points oh, are honestly yeah. both of these teams scoring because the, the vikings defense is pretty good and they only got in trouble when J J your man Jameis winston got in there and started hucking the ball around the yard which is like exactly what Jameis winston does and will terrify any defense but like they also didn't win the game because jason uh, jason Jameis uh winston also throws the ball to the other team. And so that saved the Vikings, who they're, by the way, their offense kind of came to a grinding halt in the second half of that game against the Saints. So if that means more tape on what the Vikings want to do, and TJ Hawkinson isn't going to get 12 catches or whatever TJ Hawkinson <laughs> had, you know, yeah, Justin Jefferson might come back, but this might not be the game for Justin Jefferson to come back in. 
Yeah. Patrick Sertain no. is involved. We just saw what he's capable of against Stefan Diggs. And so maybe they hold him out for another game. Maybe he comes back, acts as a decoy. I don't see the hundred plus yard type game for Justin Jefferson. If we get that kind of line from a prop perspective, we're going to be hitting the under on Justin Jefferson in that game. Yeah. Cause that's the level of respect we have for Sertain Simmons and the Broncos defense at this point. No, I like it. I like Just it. Crazy to say because it's a team that gave up 70 points like a month ago. You know, like loving the Broncos D. It's like, how many did they give up in September? Like a lot. It's how the NFL season works sometimes, yeah, man. right? No, a hundred percent. A great Monday night matchup, Super Bowl rematch. We have the Eagles at the Chiefs. Chiefs laying three and a half or three points, pardon me, at home. Both teams coming off a bye. Three points is a lot. I think both teams are pretty good. And to be honest, it's probably not a shocker to anyone here. But this, for me, is a bet on the institution that is Andy Reid, Patty Mahomes, and the Chiefs at home here. And if they win by a field goal, I'll take the push gladly and just be like, all right, cool. But this is a tough matchup. This will be a really, really good game. And I just think the Chiefs, coming out of the bye week, I think the Chiefs are just such a problem and that's such a bigger advantage for them and a team that we know that they like to prepare the way that they do. They got all their little trick plays that they'll put in over the week. Yeah. All like they're re- they're going to be ready for this game. And again, this is just a trust in the institution. Give me the 3 points with KC at home. Yeah, you can uh well you're giving it, but yeah, you can take the you can take you can give them two and a half cuz two and a half widely available to get the control room fired up here because I think as you know with the Chiefs, right? There is a lot of times where this game lands exactly on three, right? So with minus two and a half as of this recording, widely available, there's you know two and a half minus one fourteen, minus one fifteen, uh, things of that nature, which like on a key number of three, you absolutely ha- should have no problem laying that extra five cents uh, or, or you know paying for that extra five cents to get off of that key number. Again, especially with a team like the Chiefs, um, I will say I grabbed the Eagles plus three when that was available early on in the week. Right. And mm-hmm. so fundamentally there isn't that much to say because I think we have a pretty good understanding of what both these, the deal is with both these teams. Like we saw them in the Super Bowl. you know, maybe one team's defense is a little bit better. The Chiefs' defense is, is a little bit better, but honestly, like the Eagles offense is a little bit different and the stuff that the Chiefs, you know, stopping Jalen hurts in the run game, which is kind of like the way to stop the Eagles. Like, Man, that guy's throwing the ball around now, right? So, like, it's it's a different prep for yeah. the Eagles. You get the Andy Reid off of a bye and everybody getting all excited about that. So, what I think is happening with this market is exactly the way that I would bet this game. If you get minus 110, uh, if you are in no position, and you get minus 110 on Eagles plus three, which is what I got, you bet that. If you get minus 110 or you just happen to like the, chi- the Chiefs at uh, minus two and a half, you bet that. There's no reason to be laying three in this game with the Chiefs because it is, again, like I said, widely available below a field goal. And, you know, at this point, if it comes back to getting three, if the line happens to be three, then like me, I bet the Eagles plus three because, again, I think the Eagles can win this game. I don't think anybody would think that's sort of like this crazy concept. So, yeah, Eagles plus three for me in this game. But if it's minus two and a half, again, like it widely is more available at the moment. I have no problem with people taking the Chiefs at home under a field goal. You've heard me do, you know, sing that song before. So, <laughs> it, you know, that shouldn't be any surprise. It is one of the funny reminders that Patrick Mahomes was an underdog in the Super Bowl. Just going to remind everybody of that. What a time to be alive that was, kids. 
Is that what it was? Were they was it Eagles slight like minus one or something like that? I forget. It opened it opened as the Eagles were favored by I want to say like one and a half, maybe even two, and then went down. But it was still Eagles were favored. Mahomes, the money line on the Chiefs was plus money. It was paying like plus one ten or something like that. Right. Yeah, I remember there being significant movement. I just don't I've just forgotten sort of which which way that went. Which like if you look back at it and you go, okay, let's say that the No, it was a crazy game. Crazy no, game. yeah, I mean the Chiefs. If the Chiefs, you know, were uh, that that price, and if you say that both team is kind of the same as it was last time around, then the line is kind of a little high. Yep. You know, because if the Eagles I were a small you. favorite, then the Chiefs with a two point home field advantage or even a two and a half point home advantage line yep. could be Kansas City minus one and a half. So by the way, if you're opening bet Kansas City, like we also saw the other team in this case the Dolphins. Last time the Chiefs played, we saw the Dolphins take a bunch of money. Yeah. So would you be shocked if more money came in and dropped this thing down closer to a pick I certainly right. wouldn't be. So, again, that's part of the reasoning why I grabbed the plus three is like, what's going to happen here? Is this going to go to three and a half? No. Is this going to go to two and a half or lower? Way more likely. So that's why I grabbed the plus three. And again, I'm fine with carrying that into the game. I gotcha. I gotcha. Sounds good, my dude. But between now and kickoff, and this will be a great weekend of football, back-to-back banger weeks, I think, even though the primetime games will live up to the hype, we hope, this week, um, where can people find you online? Yeah, for me personally, on Twitter, at MRussAuthentic, and then obviously everything that I write over at the score in the betting tab, um fun article coming this week along with uh in replace of uh losing the second path in survivor uh we're going to change it up we're going to do a futures little futures menu and so we're going to look back at our preseason picks for the future in the futures markets for all the categories basically um and then see if there's anything that we can do to either um you know uh, secure some winnings in certain categories like offensive player of the year or most receiving yards or something along those lines or whether there's some interesting long shot that as much as it feels like we've been a long way through this season, a lot of these teams still have eight games left, right? And so a lot of them have played nine and have eight left, which is like that nice little sweet spot where it makes us think that like, oh yeah, there's no way this guy can't win this award or there's no way this guy can't lead the league in whatever, but there's eight more games and things can flip pretty, pretty quickly, especially in some of these categories, you know, touchdowns, that kind of thing, where all it takes is a three touchdown game from a guy to go from five back to two back in one week and going from, you know, 40 to one to uh, in the mix. So we're going to take a look at the futures market this week that uh, should be out on Thursday. I'm really excited about that one. Sounds good, my dude. Sounds good. And you can find me online on the app formerly known as Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Huge shouts to all the people liking and subscribing wherever you get the podcast, wherever you get the stuff, whether it's Matt stuff at the score, whether it's some of the other projects I got going, whether it's a raps pod and all that other fun stuff going as well. Huge shouts to all the people su- supporting those projects as well. We appreciate that. And as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Clutch Pick Sports Betting Podcast, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.